Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Monday, the 19th of August, 2019. I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for listening. I'm super excited about today's show. Uh, This show is really about how people live authentic lives, which is not easy to do. And I wanted to get a chance to talk to one of the people I think has done the best at it. And one of my favorite people ever with my aunt, Linda Jaco. Welcome. So glad you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Jason. I talked the other day on this show about my experience with religion and the the kind of path that I've been on. And it began in the earliest days, the kind of first experience I even had of knowing there were religious people, quote unquote, was meeting a friend of yours who was Father Edgar. Mm-hmm. And I can remember him just walking into a room, and even though he wasn't a he wasn't a domineering person by no. any sense, but he just had this presence. Mm-hmm. You know, when you walk into a room, he he kind of filled it up. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, I would like to to be someone like that, who kind of has that that little field around them of uh, of uh, you know, kind of people respect and listen listen to. And it wasn't until later that I kind of realized why you knew him and that he was kind of part of your own journey. Mm-hmm. And that journey has gone through a lot of iterations, just like mine over the years. But I'm curious, when, uh, as I understand it, when you, when you were younger, you thought about having a, a religious calling as your life, right? Mm-hmm. I did, very much so. It was a part of my life, I think, from the time, I think the first time I ever saw a nun I kind of felt like you did the first time you saw Father Edgar. You know, there was just something that drew me to it. And I always thought that that's what I wanted to do. My mother and along with her, probably he wouldn't have led the charge, was my father who absolutely forbid it. In those days, if your parents forbade you to do something, he didn't do it. You know, I mean, (laughs) they, they had the clout. So my mother asked that I wait and go to one year college and I did. So, but it's just, it's hard to really put words to it. It was just a strong, strong urge and feeling. I look back on it now and think, I never would have made it. I'd have come out, you know, like so many. When, when my graduating class were 11 girls out of 80 that became nuns. So that was rather amazing. Wow. And two of them remain today. So I would have been, you know, if I was number 12, then, you know, nine of us would have come out. I mean, I just wouldn't have been able to do it. And you ended up still uh, working and teaching in a a religious institution after the fact, right? Mm -hmm. And you strike me as someone who who has thought a lot about their faith and what they believe in, not someone who's just always accepted everything and... Mm -hmm gone along. Right. So uh, what was it like for you to kind of teach in an institutional setting? I know there's kind of the famous uh, story that I've heard from you before about having to shut your door. I was going to tell you that. Please do, yeah. Yeah, Jack Murphy, he was just a wonderful, he was formerly in the seminary and was the head of the theology department. And of course, the kids, especially if you're talking juniors and seniors in high school, they've made their confirmation, leave them alone now. They don't need to know anything more. I heard that more than once. So I tried to really make it as interesting to them, and I always told them that they were free to respectfully disagree with me at any time, and that kind of caught their attention. But yeah, Jack was the one, he said, you know, I love what you do, I didn't use any of the textbooks that the school prescribed, I had my own list of books that we used from writers who were, you know, a little borderline controversial, but still very spiritual, which was more important to me than the whole religious aspect of it. Sure. And he said to me, please, 
close your door, he said, because anybody who went by, you're borderline heretic. But he said it's good, you know. So yeah. I was lucky. I mean, well, who would you hear that from? You know, this is back in the 70s. And so. for me, I know that I never started questioning any aspect of my faith until I was 15 and met someone who felt differently than mm-hmm. I do. Before, I had pretty much met, you know, everybody I knew essentially believed uh, other than, other than you, but I wasn't around you, you know, a ton. I would just see right. you on visits. But everybody in my daily life essentially went to church on Sunday mm-hmm. and, you know, the book was read to them and a, a sermon was given to them and they never really thought about anything. Right. And then I met my friend Kevin who didn't believe in God and I hadn't even realized that was an option, for example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I wonder about you, when did you start to question that maybe there's more to this whole religion and faith bit than just what mm-hmm. you get told? My defining moment began when I started studying anthropology, because I went to Providence College, and the head of our department was so unhappy to have women there. This was in the early days of co-ed. But I'll be thankful to him for my entire life, past that he was, because he insisted all his theology students take nine hours of anthropology, because he said you can't be a good Christian or a true Christian unless you know that there's something out there beyond Christianity. And I thought that was, that just struck me immediately. Sure. So it was my introduction to anthropology and all things other than Christian or non-Christian that that was what propelled me to the point where I thought I was having, and this actually existed for a long time, I was having a kind of a faith crisis. But then I thought, no, no, it's not. You're in a transition. So just, you know, let it let it unfold. So yeah. that's pretty much how I did. But I learned then, and I write to now, that I love to hear two sides of every story. I don't like to just spend time with people who agree with me. I just love to hear other people's ideas. And you, you can't hear somebody else's ideas without learning something. You know, it may, you may not embrace it, but you learn something and think about things you wouldn't ordinarily think about. So that was it. Anthropology was it for me. Do you feel like you've come to a place now where you have a kind of decent understanding of where you are belief-wise, or is it still fluid? Is it still changing? Does it even factor into your life each day? It does. It definitely does factor. And it's so much easier and all embracing than what I was raised with, with the do's and the don'ts. But it's very fluid. It, it, it changes a lot. Yeah. You know. Yesterday we were talking at dinner and got onto the subject of C.S. Lewis, and you said something mm-hmm. that he had written that you thought some things up pretty nicely. Maybe you could tell us about yes, that. Yes. Well, he had said that the main problem with theology, with the Christian church, which is what he was speaking for, was that we're trained as children to believe that we have a loving God. And he said, as you become an adult and you start making your way out in the world and seeing the world, you find that that doesn't appear to be true. You know. And I told you, I mean, I've sat different nights, not all the time, but my prayers sort of become when I see something on TV that I think is dreadful. My prayers, well, that was just mean. You know, I mean, I'm just becoming <laughs> accused in God of being mean. But I think C.S. Lewis, he gave me that that freedom. He pointed that out. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it's, it's it has, I think it's something that'll be changing and I'll be 
making transitions and journeying to my dying day. So I've learned to be, when I have a new thought, I've learned to, you know, pursue it, get comfortable with it and see if it's worth what I think it might be. And I think feeling like you have the freedom to do that is really liberating. I think there's a lot of people, and especially mm-hmm. who kind of grow up in a in a faith community or in a faith tradition, like right. like we both did, yes. who who are never told you have the freedom to think oh, how you'd like to think. Not. Right. I can remember as a freshman in high school going to a Catholic school, and I sound like I'm bashing Catholics, but I'm not exactly. But I have my points of view here. And we had a nun, and every so often she'd get in a kick. I always thought she was slightly mental. And she'd say, stare at that crucifix. Look at what you people have done. And I'd think to myself, uh-uh, no, no, she's not. Of course, I never raised my hand and said no. Sure. Get, I can't imagine what would happen to you. <laughs> Sister Mary I, Discipline would yeah, give you the but whack. But I thought to myself, sorry, you know, Sister, I just don't agree with it. So that's, I think, that... Is nothing that I can um, pat myself on the back for. I feel like it's a gift that I have that's been given to me. So yeah, it, it's always been propelled me on my way. You know. Yeah. Well, I want to. Uh, we're running out of time for today. I want to talk more about some of the fascinating things you've done. Can you come back tomorrow on the show again? Yes, I'd love to. Fabulous. That's Linda Jaco. Uh, she's my aunt and one of my heroes. This is a brief chat. You can find out about the show at abriefchat.com. It has a brand new website, by the way. You can also become a member at uh, patreon.com/abriefchat. And I want to thank Colleen, who became a member over the weekend when there were no shows to thank her on. And so now that there is one on Monday, big thanks to Colleen for helping to support the show. You can be like Colleen by joining today at patreon.com slash a brief chat. I love you. A better world is possible.